Uh, sorry, if you don't mind, you mind bringing me the clicker? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, let's, let's come to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you teach us from the Bible. That, Lord, you have many lessons. And, Lord, we pray that even as you teach us, Lord, would you help us to understand. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a soundtrack. <laughs> okay, uh, we, we welcome those of you who are joining us for the first time. Um, we are currently going through a series, a sermon series on the book of Matthew, one of the books of the Bible, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, which talks about the life events uh, of Jesus. And so we are actually near the end of the book of Matthew, uh, and this is also near the end of the life of Jesus. And so what was read to us just now was actually... Uh, Jesus has already been crucified. He's about to die. Uh, and we're, the, the people are mocking him. Yeah. So we, we will be looking at uh, this, this even next week. Uh, next week we'll be, we'll be coming to the, the end, the close of our series on the book of Matthew. But today we will look at uh, Jesus on the cross. Now, how many of you have watched this movie? Show of hands. Avengers Endgame, if you cannot see it. Huh? Endgame. Okay, okay. Quite a few. Huh? I'm surprised not more. Okay. Uh, the, the movie has already been out for five years. So if you have not yet watched it, I'm assuming it's not a big deal to you if I show you a scene from the movie, huh? from the ending of the movie. Uh, if you care about spoilers and for some reason you, you are interested in the movie but you've not watched it, you can close your eyes and plug your ears and go la 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 la. Uh, someone will touch you on the shoulder when it's done. Okay? So let me show you this video clip uh, from the ending of the movie. Spoiler warning, huh? Iron Man. 
Friday. Life functions critically. Tony. Look at me. We're gonna be okay. You can rest now. Okay, for those of you who are clueless about what's going on, big purple guy, his name is Thanos, he's the bad guy, okay? He collects a bunch of stones, and if he snaps his fingers, bam, everything, uh, the whole universe, half of the universe evaporates. Okay, and so basically there's this long battle uh, to undo what he has done, and then at the ending, he's about to do it again. The guy in the robot suit, his name is Iron Man, okay? Uh, his real name's Tony Stark. So he steals the stones from him and he snaps his fingers instead to get rid of Thanos, the bad guy, and all his armies. Uh, and when he does that, because he is just human, uh, he sacrifices his life. His body cannot take it. Okay, so he dies. Right, the, the ending there, that's his, his girlfriend, wife? I don't know, <laughs> one of those. Uh, wife, I think, by that time. So, uh, I, I don't know how many of you who watched this the, the first time cried. Uh, and God, uh, God. Uh, uh, liars. <laughs> it definitely hit me in the feels. Just, just preparing and putting the clips together, I'm like, <sighs> okay. Um, but it, it's, it's such an emotional moment because it's, it's such a significant moment. It's such a, a, a highlight, a, a climax not just in this particular movie, but in a whole series of movies. Uh, the, there are a whole bunch of movies based on Marvel Comics, right? and it's known as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or MCU. And basically, you have the same actors playing the same characters through all these movies, and it starts with the first Iron Man movie in 2008. Avengers Endgame came out in 2019. That is 11 years, if my maths is correct. And over that period of 11 years, there were 22 movies set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so, if you followed those movies, I think I probably watched... I don't think I watched 20. I think I watched like maybe 18 of them, okay? But if you, if you followed along those movies, you got to know the main characters, like Iron Man, uh, the Hulk... Thor, Captain America, and so on. And so, when, when Iron Man sacrifices himself to save the universe, the story had been building up for 11 years. And those who were following the story from the beginning had their minds blown. Correct, Chang'en? <laughs> Chang'en is the biggest Marvel fan here. Uh, one day, you, you ask him, invite him, uh, invite you to his home, uh, you see this whole display uh, of all Iron Man stuff. Okay, but basically today we are looking at a story that has not just been building up for 11 years, but it's been building up for thousands of years 
since the very first man and woman were separated from God by their sin of disobedience. And the story from there goes through major story arcs more complex than stories from the Avengers or Doctor Strange or Spider-Man and so on. Because God would put into motion a plan that would save mankind from their sins through the sacrifice of one man. Not Iron Man, huh? Uh, but Jesus Christ. And this would be the ultimate end game for all of mankind. And the story of Jesus is something that might be very familiar to many of us here. Right? Every year, we tell the story of the birth of Jesus over Christmas. Uh, near Easter, we remember the events that lead up to his death on the cross, later his resurrection from the dead. And so the, the life of Jesus, especially the, the, the beginning and the end, very, very familiar to most of us. But this story might be so familiar to us that we might even assume that Jesus had to die for us, that he had no choice in the matter. And it's just how things were going to be all along because we already know the ending, right? But the nature of God is to have absolute choice to do whatever He wants to do. God cannot be forced to do anything He doesn't want to do. That is just part of who God is, that He has absolute control, absolute will. He is uh, in charge at all times. Nothing can be forced on Him. And so today, I'd like us to consider the fact that Jesus made the choice to sacrifice himself for the sake of mankind. So this is our takeaway, the one thing to remember, that Jesus made the choice to sacrifice himself for the sake of mankind. From the Bible passage that was read to us just now, uh, Jesus is already on the cross, and we see that on the cross, he makes three choices in the moments leading up to his death. And the first one, is that Jesus chose to save us over himself. Jesus chose to save mankind over himself. The crowd that was there at the crucifixion of Jesus, they were mocking Jesus, basically accusing him of being a liar or being a crazy person. So they said, you know, you said you're going to destroy the temple, you're going to build it in three days, Save yourself, lah. come down from the cross if you are really the son of God, right? And so they were basically accusing him uh, of being a liar. Now, Jesus had been teaching people he would destroy the temple and build it again in three days. But he was not talking about the physical building of the temple of Jerusalem. He had been talking about his own body, about how he would rise again in three days. But of course, the people back then had no idea that's what he meant. And so they thought he was saying that he had the godly power to knock down the actual temple that had taken 46 years to build, uh, Temple of Herod, right? Uh, that that Herod, King Herod had built. And they, they thought he was saying, 46 years to build that temple, he can knock it down and rebuild it in three days. Right? And so they totally did not understand what he was saying. 
Jesus also referred to himself throughout his life as God's only son. And so the people's challenge to him was, prove it. If he was really God's son, prove it by coming down from the cross and saving himself from the crucifixion that he was experiencing. Now, crucifixion is very messy business. For those of you who are not familiar with the process, you get nailed to two pieces of wood okay, that make a cross. Your, your arms are nailed, your feet are nailed, and basically you are stuck there. Uh, nothing can... Uh, you, you can't remove yourself because you're, you're like pinned to these planks of wood. And so the people were challenging Jesus, you're really the son of God, save yourself from this situation that you are in. This is not the first time that Jesus was given such a challenge, by the way. Just before he began teaching publicly, he was led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And there, he was also challenged to use his godly powers to save himself from the hunger that he was experiencing. Jesus was fasting for 40 days. He didn't eat anything for 40 days. He's at the very limit of what a human body can possibly endure. And the devil's temptation was, save yourself from this situation that you are in. This extreme hunger. Now, can you imagine, most of us, we miss one meal, uh, we get hangry already. Uh, those of you who don't know what hangry means, hangry is becoming angry because you're hungry, uh, hangry. Uh, so, Jesus missed 40 days worth of meals. Super hungry. <laughs> okay? And the devil hit him with this challenge. If you are the son of God, save yourself. But Jesus had been led by God to fast for those 40 days. And even though he could have made things easier for himself, he did not. Because he had a mission to obey God. Uh, and that mission was greater than his need to save himself from his hunger. Coming back to the cross, Jesus had a mission from God to save mankind from their sins. And the only way that he could do that the way that God wanted was to pay the price of death so that mankind would not have to die. So Jesus could have saved himself. He could have come down from the cross. He could have bypassed all that pain and suffering. But he chose not to. Because suffering and dying was the only way he could save mankind the way that God wanted. And so this leads us into the second choice that Jesus made. That Jesus chose not to fit into our expectations. Now, one of the titles that Jesus had was King of Israel, or King of the Jews, as they, they nailed the sign on top of the cross. And this was a fulfillment of centuries of prophecies made about a descendant of David, the greatest king that Israel ever had. And with that title, King of Israel, came certain expectations. One of the common expectations was that this prophesied king would 
lead Israel out from the authority of the Roman Empire that was occupying Israel. That this chosen king would lead Israel out from the oppression of the Roman Empire through war, through military means. Just like how King David had defeated Israel's enemies, the Philistines and all the other enemies. So these were expectations that the people of that day had that if this great king that was chosen by God to be his instrument to save Israel from their oppressors, if he could prove that, they would believe all the things they had been taught, all the things that he was saying about himself. If he could prove it, they would believe. And if you think about it, that would probably be what would happen. Right? If Jesus, you picture this, huh? Jesus hanging on the cross, suddenly he comes down from the cross because of some godly power. Right? He, he uh, phases out through the nails and then floats down or suddenly he teleports and you know, he's no longer on the cross. And they saw that, they would have believed. Right? How many of you, if you're you are seeing this guy crucified and then suddenly, boom, he's down there, how many of you would believe he's right about what he's saying about himself? handful of people. <laughs> okay, we have a lot of skeptics. <laughs> but for me, if I saw that happen with my own eyes, of course, I believe, right? But once again, this is almost a repeat of another temptation that Jesus had faced earlier. And in that temptation that the devil gave to him, he said, if you throw yourself down from the highest point of the temple... You will not be harmed. Right? Angels will rescue you. You won't have any hurt or whatever. Now, the highest point of the temple is about 46 meters. That's about 151 feet or 14 stories. So you imagine Jesus is asked to throw himself down from the 14th floor of one of the busiest places in Jerusalem. You imagine I. Yeah, okay, a lot of people there. 14th floor, suddenly you see one guy, whew, and then he does not splat, he floats down, or he's like near the ground, and suddenly, stop, safe, just by some miraculous way, or maybe he bounces off some angelic cushion or whatever. The people witnessing that would surely have believed that this guy is something special. This guy must be God's chosen instrument. This guy, everything that he says about himself must be real one because no one else can do that, right? And so that temptation was really for Jesus to take a shortcut. A shortcut for the faith of people. A shortcut so that people would believe him. So that he would not have to go through all the things that he was currently going through on the cross. And so if Jesus had come down from the cross, it would also have been an easy shortcut for people to believe in him. That he had already gone through suffering, he doesn't need to die, just come down from the cross, people believe already. But Jesus chose not to use that shortcut. Once again, not because he could not, but because it was not the way God had planned his endgame. And Jesus chose instead to follow not just 
shortcut to the end, but to sh- follow the path, to follow the way that God wanted, God's will. And that brings us to our third point. Sorry. That Jesus chose to surrender to his Father's will. Ultimately, this is Jesus' motivation. It is his mission in life. It is his, for those of you who speak Latin, raison d'etre, or whatever, uh, his reason for existence, right? That, that he would choose to surrender to the Father's will. It's not just that he loved mankind enough to die, which he did. But Jesus' obedience and complete surrender to his Father's will was simply who he was and the kind of relationship that he had with God the Father. And so that surrender, that obedience, was the perfect example for the sort of relationship that we can have with God as well. And so this is part of the Christmas message. Christmas, yes, is about the birth of Jesus. Yes, it's about, wow, there's, uh, you remember, la, shepherds, la, tree, wise men, la, whatever, right? And uh, angel, star, uh, wow, okay, God is with us. Yay, that's, that's good. But part of the, the, the crucial importance of the Christmas message is that God will come to earth as a man not just to come and visit the people and you know, shake hands and that sort of thing, but to give us a very clear picture of what He is like and also how we can relate to God properly. Jesus came as a man to show us this is what man can expect and this is what man can aspire to. Jesus did not come to give us impossibly high standards that we cannot reach. He came to show us what is possible in a life that is totally surrendered to God, a human life that is lived in total obedience to God. This is what it can look like. So don't instantly write off the example of Jesus. Anytime somebody tells you, be like Jesus, uh, what would Jesus do, be Christ-like, don't instantly write off and say, "Ah, that's Jesus. Don't expect me to be like Jesus. Because that's exactly what we are called to be like. All, not, not just Christians, by the way. All of humankind are called to follow Jesus, to become his disciples. All of us are given the invitation to follow him and be his disciples. Now, the concept of discipleship, being a disciple is not just being a student. It is more like being an apprentice. What's the difference? A student goes to school, right? I'm sure many of uh, you who still go to school, uh, you consider yourself a student, right? You go to school, you learn stuff. And then later, you are tested about your knowledge on that stuff. You regurgitate, uh, you, you, no, not regurgitate. You reproduce that stuff, right? You are able to repeat that stuff back and say, okay, I learned already, I know, right? That is the mark of a good student. 100% means everything, that, your, everything that you have been taught 
you can remember and you can repeat uh, 100%, right? Mark a good student. And so the, the focus of being a student is learning the subject. Knowledge. Knowing the thing that you have learned. But an apprentice, especially the apprentice of Jesus' day, not the Donald Trump apprentice, uh, the, the, an apprentice of Jesus' day lived with the master. Okay, so let's say he's a carpenter, or he's a blacksmith, or whatever, to, to uh, create all those things. Uh. The, the apprentice would live with the master, not just to learn the craft, but also to pick up their philosophy, their way of life, how they lived, why they did what they did. You know, that, oh, when you hammer the steel, you, you listen to it and then you feel the rhythm of the steel or whatever, like, okay, that the, uh, your, your craft uh, feeds back into the circle of life, whatever, okay? So there is, they, they pick up the philosophy, the, the way of life of the master. And so the focus of an apprentice is not so much the subject. The focus is more learning how to become like the master so that they can reproduce you know, the craft and everything else. And so all of us are called to follow Jesus as disciples more like Jesus' apprentices, not just his students. So we are called to follow Jesus not just to learn about Christianity, not just to even learn about the Bible, but to become like Jesus to live like how he lived and to be able to relate to God just like how he related to God the Father. A part of the reason why we tend to consider becoming like Jesus is so out of reach is because we tend to romanticize Jesus. We say he was sinless, which is true, he never sinned. And so we say he's sinless, he's the perfect man, and so sometimes we forget that he was as much a man as he was God, that he was fully man. And so we tend to have this idea about Jesus that, you know, he's like this super clean guy. Uh, he does everything very calmly with great ease, great grace, uh, moves around like a, like a ballerina, you know, always has this smile on his face. And it looked like he, he never need to bathe one, right? And just so, you know, nothing human about him. Just so angelic in many ways. But that's not the picture that we get of Jesus the night before he was arrested to be sentenced to death. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it probably did not look like this it probably looked more like this, right? That he struggled with great anguish, great suffering. The Bible tells us that even his sweat was like drops of blood. And we know that to be a medical condition, hematoma, crodiasis, something like that, which is basically you're so stressed that blood enters your, your sweat glands and, you know, it ends up looking like blood when you sweat, right? It's so stressed and anguished because he knew the suffering and the death that he was going to go through. And so he even prayed to the Father 
in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed to the Father and said he would prefer not to have to go through all that. That God, if can, I don't want. <laughs> so it wasn't a case that Jesus had a death wish, that he wanted to go and suffer. It wasn't a case that, oh, he knows uh, pain is not going to bother me. I'm, God, I'm not going to feel the pain. No. He really did not want to go through that pain and suffering. He, he did not want to experience that just as much as we would not want to go through that kind of pain and suffering. But what Jesus chose to do, despite the anguish that he felt, was to surrender. To surrender to the Father's will. To say that even though I don't want God, I want what you want more. He wasn't being forced into it, but he made the choice to do the Father's will instead of his own. And because he made that choice, he made it possible for mankind to be saved from their sins by believing in him. Let me conclude with this. In the very first Iron Man movie, Tony Stark, the person who becomes Iron Man, he, he's a very egoistic, irresponsible person. He doesn't care about anybody but himself. And after many Iron Man movies and Avengers movies and uh, uh, whatever other Marvel movies, he ends up developing his character Right? To the point where he has a wife and a daughter uh, just before the events of what leads to the Avengers Endgame movie. And so, he has come to a point where he has so much to live for. Not that it's just you know, easy to throw away his life, but his life is precious and valuable. But he finally makes that significant choice to sacrifice himself for the sake of everyone else. Jesus didn't go through a similar character development. Okay? Jesus didn't start out a horrible person. But his choice to sacrifice himself for us is no less significant. It is not sanitized. It is not easy. It was a difficult choice that he made. And so Jesus had a choice. And he chose you. How will you choose to respond to him? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice for us. You didn't just go through some spiritual transaction that was clean and easy but you suffered great pain and anguish before finally dying on the cross so that everyone who believes in you will not have to die and can instead have everlasting life. Thank you for choosing us, not because we've done anything to deserve it, but simply because of your great love for us. Help us to respond to you by also choosing to love you, not just choosing to learn about you, but choosing to be your follower your apprentice, your disciple, so that we can have a living relationship with the living God and live a life of complete surrender to the will of God. 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In response, may I invite you to stand and let's sing a 